Section 1 of The Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. The Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume 3 by Robert Burton, Section 1. Partition 3, Section 1, Member 1, Subsection 1. The Preface There will not be wanting, I presume, one or other that will much discommend some part of this treatise of love melancholy, the object, which Erasmus in his preface to Sir Thomas More suspects of his, that it is too light for divine, too comical a subject to speak of love symptoms, too fantastical, and fit alone for a wanton poet, a feeling young lovesick gallant, an effeminate courtier, or some such idle person. And tis true, they say, for by naughtiness of men it is so come to pass, as Cosinus observes, but Castus Oribus vox amoris suspectis it et invisa. The very name of love is odious to chaster ears, and therefore some again, out of an affected gravity, will dislike all for the name's sake before they read a word, dissembling with him in Petronius, and seem to be angry that their ears are violated with such obscene speeches, that so they may be admired for grave philosophers and staid carriage. They cannot abide to hear talk of love-toys or amorous discourses, vultu, gestu, oculis, in their outward actions averse, and yet in their cogitations they are all out as bad, if not worse, than others. Erubit, prosuitque meum lucretia librum, sed corum bruto, brute recede, legit. But let those cavillers and counterfeit Catos know, that as the Lord John answered the Queen in that Italian grazzo, an old, a grave, discreet man is fittest to discourse of love matters, because he hath likely more experience, observed more, hath a more staid judgment, can better discern, resolve, discuss, advise, give better cautions and more solid precepts, better inform his auditors in such a subject, and by reason of his riper years sooner divert. Besides, nihil in hat amoris voce subtimendum, there is nothing here to be accepted at. Love is a species of melancholy, and a necessary part of this my treatise, which I may not omit. Operi suscepto in serviendum fuit. So Jacobus Mercilius pleadeth for himself in his translation of Lucian's dialogues and so do I. I must and will perform my task. And that short excuse of Mercurus, for his edition of Aristeonetus shall be mine, if I have spent my time ill to write, let not them be so idle as to read. But I am persuaded it is not so ill spent. I ought not to excuse or repent myself of this subject, on which many grave and worthy men have written whole volumes. Plato, Plutarch, Plotinus, Maximus, Tyrius, Alcinous, Avicenna, Leon Hebreus in three large dialogues, Xenophon's Symposium, Theophrastus, if we may believe Athenaeus, Book 13, Chapter 9, Picus Mirandula, Marius, Aquicola, both in Italian, Comanus de Linea Amoris, Book 3, Petraeus Godefridus hath handled in three books, Petrus Hadus, and which almost every physician, as Arnoldus, Villanovanus, Valeriola, Alien Montaltus, 
and Laurentius in their treatises of melancholy. Jason Pratensis, Valescus de Taranta, Gordonius, Hercules de Saxonia, Savonarola, Langius, etc., have treated of a part, and in their works. I excuse myself, therefore, with Peter Godafridus, Valeriola, Ficinus, and in Langius's words. Cadmus Milesius writ fourteen books of love, and why should I be ashamed to write an epistle in favour of young men of this subject? A company of stern readers dislike the second of the Aenids, and Virgil's gravity, for inserting such amorous passions in an heroical subject. But Servius, his commentator, justly vindicates the poet's worth, wisdom, and discretion in doing as he did. Castalio would not have young men read the canticles, because to his thinking it was too light and amorous a tract, a ballad of ballads, as our old English translation hath it. He might as well forbid the reading of Genesis, because of the loves of Jacob and Rachel, the stories of Sichem and Dinah, Judah and Thamar, reject the book of Numbers for the fornications of the peoples of Israel with the Moabites, that of Judges for Samson and Delilah's embracings, that of the kings for David and Bathsheba's adulteries, the incest of Ammon and Thamar, Solomon's concubines, etc., the stories of Esther, Judith, Susanna, and many such. Dicaeacus and some other carpet Plato's majesty, that he would vouchsafe safe to indict such love-toys, amongst the rest, for that dalliance with Agatho. Suavia dans Agathoni, animam ipse in labra tenebam, egra etanim properans tanquam abitura fuit. For my part, saith Maximus Tyrius, a great Platonist himself, me non tantum admiratio habet, sed eliam stupor. I do not only admire, but stand amazed to read that Plato and Socrates both should expel Homer from their city, because he writ of such light and wanton subjects. Quod junonum cum jove in ida concumbentes inducit, ab immortale nube contectos. Vulcan's net, Mars and Venus' fopperies before all the gods, because Apollo fled when he was persecuted by Achilles. The gods were wounded and ran whining away, as Mars that roared louder than Stentor, and covered nine acres of ground with his fall. Vulcan was a summer's day falling down from heaven, and in Lemnus Isle break his leg, etc., with such ridiculous passages, when, as both Socrates and Plato by his testimony, writ lighter themselves, quid enim tam distat, as he follows it, quam amant a temperante, formarum admirato a demente. What can be more absurd than for grave philosophers to treat of such fooleries, to admire Ortilocuus, Alcibiades, for their beauties as they did, to run after, to gaze, to dote on fair Phaedrus, delicate Agatho, young Lysis, fine Charmides, hey kine philosophum decent? Doth this become grave philosophers? Thus peradventure Callius, Thrasymachus, Paulus, Aristophanes, or some of his adversaries and emulators might object. But neither they nor Anitus and Melitus, his bitter enemies, that condemned him for teaching Critias to tyrannize, his impiety for swearing by dogs and plain trees, for his juggling sophistry, etc., never so much as upbraided him with impure love, writing or speaking of that subject. And therefore, without question, as he concludes, both Socrates and Plato in this are justly to be excused. But suppose they had been a little overseen, should divine Plato be defamed? No, rather, as he said of Cato's drunkenness, if Cato were drunk, 
it should be no vice at all to be drunk. They reprove Plato then, but without cause, as Ficinus pleads, for all love is honest and good, and they are worthy to be loved that speak well of love. Being to speak of this admirable affection of love, saith Valeriola, there lies open a vast and philosophical field to my discourse, by which many lovers become mad. Let me leave my more serious meditations, wander in these philosophical fields, and look into those pleasant groves of the muses, where with unspeakable variety of flowers we may make garlands to ourselves, not to adorn us only, but with their pleasant smell and juice to nourish our souls, and fill our minds desirous of knowledge, etc. After a harsh and unpleasing discourse of melancholy, which hath hitherto molested your patience and tired the author, give him leave with Godifridus the lawyer, and Laurentius, chapter 5, to recreate himself in this kind after his laborious studies, since so many grave divines and worthy men have, without offence to manners, to help themselves and others, voluntarily written of it. Heliodorus, a bishop, penned a love-story of Theagenes and Chariclea, and when some Catos of his time reprehended him for it, chose rather, saith Nicephorus, to leave his bishopric than his book. Aeneas Silvius, an ancient divine, and past forty years of age, as he confesseth himself after Pope Pius Secundus, indicated that wanton history of Eurelaus and Ducretia. And how many superintendents of learning could I reckon up that have written of light fantastical subjects? Beroaldus, Erasmus, Altheratius, twenty-four times printed in Spanish, etc. Give me leave, then, to refresh my muse a little, and my weary readers, to expiate in this delightsome field, hoc deliciarum campo, as Fonseca terms it, to season a surly discourse with a more pleasing aspersion of love matters. Edulcare vitam convenit, as the poet invites us, curas nogis, etc. Tis good to sweeten our life with some pleasing toys to relish it, and as Pliny tells us, magna pars studiosorum amenitates quaerimus. Most of our students love such pleasant subjects. Though Macrobius teach us otherwise, that those old sages banished all such light tracts from their studies, to nurses' cradles, to please only the ear, yet out of Apuleius I will oppose as honourable patrons Solon, Plato, Xenophon, Adrian, etc., that as highly approve of these treatises. On the other side, methinks they are not to be disliked, they are not so unfit. I will not peremptorily say, as one did, tam suavia dicam facinora, ut male sit ei qui talibus non delectator, I will tell you such pretty stories, that foul befall him that is not pleased with them. Neque dicam ea qua vobis usui sit audivisse, et voluptati meminisse. With that confidence, as Beroaldus doth his emulations on Propertius, I will not expert or hope for that approbation, which Lipsius gives to his Epictetus. Plois facio quum relego, semper ut novum, et quum repetivi, repetendum. The more I read, the more shall I covet to read. I will not press you with my pamphlets, or beg attention. But if you like them, you may. Pliny holds it expedient, and most fit, severitatum jucunditate etiam inscriptis condire, to season our works with some pleasant discourse. Synesius approves it, licet in ludicris ludere, the poet admires it, 
omne tulit punctum qui miscuit utile dulci, and there be those, without question, that are more willing to read such toys than I am to write. Let me not live, saith Aretine's Antonia, if I had not rather hear thy discourse than see a play. No doubt but there be more of her mind, ever have been, ever will be, as Hieromi bears me witness. A far greater part had rather read Apuleius than Plato. Tully himself confesseth he could not understand Plato's Timaeus, and therefore cared less for it. But every schoolboy hath that famous testament of Gunius Corocotta Porcellus at his fingers' ends. The Comical Poet It sibi negoti credidit solum dari, populu ut placrent, quos fecisit fabulus. Made this his only care and sole study, to please the people, tickle the ear, and to delight. But mine earnest intent is as much to profit as to please. Non tam ut populo placerum, quam ut populum juvarum. And these my writings, I hope, shall take like gilded pills, which are so composed as well to tempt the appetite, and deceive the palate, as to help and medicinally work upon the whole body. My lines shall not only recreate, but rectify the mind. I think I have said enough. If not, let him that is otherwise minded remember that of Mordorensis, he was in his life a philosopher, as Ausonius apologizeth for him, in his epigrams a lover, in his precept most severe, in his epistle to Carelia a wanton. Anianus, Sulpicius, Ervemus, Menander, and many old poets besides, did in scriptus prorire, write Fescanines, Atellans, and Lascivious songs, latum materium. Yet they had, in morbus censorum et severitatum, they were chaste, severe, and upright livers. Castum esse decet piem poetam, ipsum, versiculos nihil necesse est, quitum denique habent salem et leporum. I am of Catullus's opinion, and make the same apology in mine own behalf. Hoc etiam quod scribo, pendet plerumque ex aliorum sententia et autoritate, nec ipse forsan insanio, sed insanientes sequo. Atque deto hoc insanire me, semel insanibimus omnes, et tute ipse opino insanis aliquando, et is, et ille, et ego, scilicet como sum, humani ame nihil alienum puto and which he urgeth for himself, accused of the like fault, I as justly plead. Lasciva est nobis pagina, vita proba est. Howsoever my lines err, my life is honest. Vita verecunda est, muso jocosa mihi. But I presume I need no such apologies. I need not, as Socrates in Plato, cover his face when he spake of love, or blush and hide mine eyes, as Pallas did in her hood, when she was consulted by Jupiter about Mercury's marriage. Quod super nuptius virgo consulitor. It is no such lascivious, obscene, or wanton discourse. I have not offended your chaster ears with anything that is here written, as many French and Italian authors in their modern language of late have done. Nay, some of our Latin pontificial writers, Zanchis, Asorius, Abulensis, Lucardus, etc., whom Rive accuseth to be more lascivious than Virgil in Priapeis, Petronia in Catalectis, Aristophanes in Lycistrate, Martialis, 
or any other pagan profane writer. Qui tam atrociter, one notes, hoc genere percurrunt ut multa ingeniosissime scripta obscenitatum gratia castae mentes abhorriant. Tis not scurrile this, but chaste, honest, and most part serious, and even of religion itself, incensed, as he said, with the love of finding love, we have sought it, and found it. More yet I have augmented and added something to this light treatise, if light, which was not in the former editions. I am not ashamed to confess it with a good author. Quod extendi et locupletari hoc subjectum clerique postulabant, et eorum importunitate victus, animum ut cumque renitentum eo adegi, otiam sexta vice calamum in manum sumerum, scriptionique longe et a studiis et professione mea alienae, me acingerum horas aliquas a serius meus occupationibus interim superatus, easque velute ludo quidem ac recreatione destinans. Cogo, retorsum veladare, atque literare cursus, olim relictos, et si non ignorarum novus fortasse detractores novus, hisce interpolationibus meis minime defutoros. And thus much I have thought good to say by way of preface, lest any man, which Godefritus feared in his book, should blame in me lightness, wantonness, rashness, in speaking of love's causes, enticements, symptoms, remedies, lawful and unlawful loves, and lust itself. I speak only to tax and deter others from it, not to teach, but to show the vanities and fopperies of this heroical or Herculean love, and to apply remedies unto it. I will treat of this with like liberty as of the rest. Sed dicam vobis, vos poro dicite multis milibus, et facite haec carta loquatur anus. Condemn me not, good reader, then, or censure me hardly, if some part of this treatise to thy thinking as yet be too light, but consider better of it. Omnia munda mundis, a naked man to a modest woman is no otherwise than a picture, as Augusta Livia truly said, and mala mens malus animus, tis as tis taken. If in thy censure be it too light, I advise thee as Lipsius did his reader for some places of Plautus, istos quasi serenum scopulos praetor vehere. If they like thee not, let them pass, or oppose that which is good to that which is bad, and reject not therefore all. For to invert that verse of Martial, and with Hieron Wolfius to apply it to my present purpose, sunt mala, sunt quidem mediocria, sunt bona plura. Some is good, some bad, some is indifferent. I say further with him, I have inserted, levicula quidem et ridicula ascribere non summum gravatus, Cucum foranea quidem e theatris e plateis, etiem e popinis, some things more homely, light, or comical, litans gratius, etc., which I would request every man to interpret to the best. And as Julius Caesar Scaliger besought Cardan, Secret urbanius scule lusum a nobis per deus immortales te oro heronime cardane neme male capius. I beseech thee, good reader, not to mistake me, or misconstrue what is here written. Permusas et carites et omnia poetarum numina, benigne lector, 
oro te neme male capias. Tis a comical subject. In sober sadness I crave pardon of what is amiss, and desire thee to suspend thy judgment, wink at small faults, or to be silent at least. But if thou likest, speak well of it, and wish me good success. Extremum hunc arathusa mihi concede laborem. I am resolved, howsoever. Velis nolis audacta stadium intrare, in the Olympics, with these Eliensian wrestlers in Philostratus, boldly to show myself in this common stage, and in this tragic comedy of love, to act several parts, some satirically, some comically, some in a mixed tone, as the subject I have in hand gives occasion, and present scene shall require, or offer itself. End of section 1